0: Up from where I left off. So after the treadmill, by the middle of this year, back in Year 10 at school, it was obvious that my physical food solution was not working. It was now causing the parents I loved great concern. I was so conflicted, to, wanting to conform, to put on weight, to be a good girl, not a nuisance or a burden. But in being asked asked to let go of the food restrictions, I was being asked to let go of the only way I knew of appeasing the accuser and controlling my bad, hungry, greedy, needy self. The tables were turning. My solution was failing, and I didn't know what else to do. Diary. Gosh, everyone comments on my skinniness, and they all say, what a shame, she had such a lovely figure. I truly must be stupid. Starting to binge. I started to binge. I had never heard the term before but it seemed to fit the initially small and infrequent lapses of control that I began to experience. Binging was different from breaking my diet. The latter always felt like a weak but conscious choice. Binging was far more impulsive. It felt out of control and scary. For a few moments I felt absolutely nothing but an overwhelming urge to stuff my face. It was like my brain, over, temporarily overloaded and out of answers, switched over onto autopilot, and my hand shoveled food down my throat as quickly as possible in a desperate attempt to shut up the fear and wanting inside. Qu- quote, diary. I wonder if it's some delayed reaction, but lately at night, I go on a binge where I just won't stop eating. When the binge was over, my brain slipped back into gear, and feelings of guilt and horror hit me full force. Terrified by my loss of control, I would quickly lose myself in a frenzy of vigorous exercise before planning a stricter regime to guard against future failure. Quote, I feel physically and mentally exhausted. Good day at school, only my eyes felt so heavy. Had usual eating impulse after dinner. The idea of vomiting never occurred to me. Not until the doctor who diagnosed me with anorexia asked if I had ever tried it. At the time, I was disgusted by the idea. Nevertheless, a few months later, I tried sticking my fingers down my throat because I was so exhausted from all the exercise. Fortunately, I never mastered this method of purging because more vital body salts or electrolytes are lost through vomiting than avoided by starvation. An electrolyte imbalance can lead to serious physical complications, including seizures and cardiac arrest. Finally, at X kilos, a doctor asked my parents if they had heard of, ever heard of anorexia nervosa. It was almost a relief that there was a name for it. It wasn't just me. I even felt a little thrill that I'd managed to die so successfully I'd actually got something. It sounds crazy, but it gave me hope that at last someone might be able to help me get off the treadmill. My own efforts were obviously not working, and I felt helpless and misunderstood when I was accused of not trying. The truth was I was trying, but I needed help. There was a war going on inside me, and I had no idea how to fight it. An appointment was made to see the psychologist at our local community health centre. He confirmed the doctor's diagnosis of anorexia nervosa and referred me to Rivendell, the adolescent mental health unit of Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, for more specialised health. Rivendell was not a convenient distance away, and I felt guilty that my problem was now becoming a problem. For everyone else. Quote, I'm going to get psychiatric help. I think my problem's religious. I believe in using everything to the full. I feel I'm obliged to use my gifts as such. I'm tearing my life to pieces. I'm worn out and exhausted and no fun. Oh, poor mum and dad, how I've aged them. Feel so guilty about causing so much concern. My first impression of Rivendell is my parents and I arrived for my initial assessment in August was that it looked more like a stately old home than a hospital. A gardener mowed the lawn at the far end of the property, cars nestled, up, nestled under the shade of huge oak lining the circular drive, and two people sat chatting on the wide veranda skirting the western wing of the building. As we swung around the back into the visitors' car park, I could see steps leading down the path towards a boat shed, where a boy in his early teens walked with an older woman along the edge of a riverbank. It looked peaceful. Inside the building was cool. The high ceilings and dark polished wood floors and walls and the overwhelming quiet of the place reminded me that I was here on serious business. I felt a little apprehensive. We gave our name to the receptionist and sat in the hallway alone with our thoughts. Finally, a kind-faced woman with shoulder-length dark hair approached us and introduced herself as Janet, the social worker. Her Her warm smile and friendly conversation put us at ease as she led the way upstairs into a small interview room where we were introduced to the psychiatrist who would oversee my case, Dr. Richards. We were interviewed all together for about an hour and then I saw Janet by myself. It was awkward sitting there with mum and dad opening up our lives before these strangers. I felt peculiar, like a problem needing resolution. Mum and dad expressed their concern for my physical wellbeing, but were keen to eliminate all physical or organic possibilities before accepting a psychological cause for my problem. They couldn't know the level of deception and denial I'd engaged them in regarding how little I generally ate and how much I exercised. They were far more familiar with my more recent binges because I was so vocal and upset about these. I was not concerned with my physical health, but with the changes in my personality. I knew why I was underweight. I was concerned that I didn't laugh anymore, that I took everything so seriously and that this was distancing me from my friends at school. I didn't realize these symptoms were related to my eating behavior. We were told that if I didn't put on weight, I would be admitted to hospital. I was totally preoccupied with the financial strain this would place on my parents and had to be repeatedly reassured that if it came to this, my parents would not have to pay for my treatment. It was decided that since the family and school were supportive, I would see Janet and the hospital dietitian on an outpatient basis and be reassessed before the start of the next school term in approximately four weeks. If my condition didn't improve, they would press for admission, including full physical investigations. Quote, went to Rivendell, Concord, in Sydney's west, spoke with specialists. If I don't put on weight, I'll be put in hospital. I think I'm beyond helping myself. Oh, I hate what I've done, the trouble and upset I've caused. Following her initial assessment with me, the social worker wrote this. Michelle related warmly and openly in my interview with her and spoke with a good deal of insight about the conflicts she's facing at present. She could differentiate between her intellectual acceptance of the need to gain weight and her emotional feelings that she must not get fat, but she had no idea why she felt this way. She was concerned that this was a worry to her parents and that she could not exercise more control over herself. She said she was a serious person, and she's well aware of her academic and sporting talents. But she's also religious and feels that she must make the most of the gifts that have been given to her. She does feel she has excessively high standards for herself, but is at a loss as to know how to lower this drive. Can I say to you, before I became anorectic and serious, I was a pretty fun-loving kid. I was a rascal in my primary school years. I was a bit of a, you know, I was a bit bit of a disruption in class and a bit of a life of the party. So I became serious as I got on the eating disorder treadmill and lost weight. Back to the social worker's assessment. Michelle claims that her life has become ruled by food. She thinks about it all the time, plays tennis in the afternoons that she won't have to resist eating. She's overcome, she has been overcome with the urge to eat while babysitting and has refused to take the money because she's eaten so much. This is interesting. There appears to be no distortion of body image in that Michelle admits that when she sees other girls, she can see that she is thin. But when she's alone, she can convince herself that she's not too bad. She feels that the scales are her worst enemy and has difficulty accepting any weight gain, even though she can intellectually admit that it's a good thing. She has three wishes. To be normal, the sort of person she used to be happy, outgoing and not totally dominated by food. Two, to have a normal figure, a bit on the slim side, but in proportion. Three, to stop being a burden on the family and on the school and her friends. So that was, where it, that was where my initial assessment was. Interestingly, you know, there's often a body image distortion associated with anorexia. But when I drew a picture of myself for the social worker in that initial assessment, I'll see if I can find it. I drew myself slim. But I didn't want to be as skinny as I was. And I I reveal that in the picture. So I could see that I wasn't the way I should be. I just couldn't overcome the fear that was driving my behavior. And that's what I'm talking about here. And I'll get back to it when we talk about um, in the next little section, the growing battle with the binger pretty revealing in terms of the voices and that growing battle with the accuser and trying to maintain control. So I hope it speaks to your experience or at least gives you some options to talk about your experience with your therapist, with your whoever's supporting you, perhaps even your parents. Um, Yeah, okay. Okay, so you're probably aware that this is audio that has been stripped from video. I did find those pictures that I drew at the age of 15 when I was um, being assessed um, and being admitted to Rivendell, the adolescent wing of a major Sydney hospital, and it is really revealing. If you would like to have a look at that video, it is on YouTube. Just Google my name or just put my name, Michelle Sparks, in the YouTube search bar, and um, yep, Hit me up with your questions, your feedback. Would love to hear from you. Until next time, travel well.